Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to pan like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, dear listeners. We are so excited to be recording Season 2, Episode 1. We've got some really fun episodes coming up this year that I hope you enjoy as much as we have enjoyed researching and giving you the most up-to-date information. Today, our topic of conversation is, Are Ball Canning Recipes Safe? Jenny, take us through like why we are even questioning this. <sighs> Okay, so listeners, here is how Anna and I decided to start researching this topic. So we, for the last several months, have been getting questions from listeners via our social media or through our podcast email. And the question is something like that their local cooperative extension office is not recommending ball canning recipes any longer. And Anna and I always press, like, tell us more, give us some more specifics. And what we've uncovered is that there are some cooperative extensions who are saying that they can no longer recommend ball canning recipes for a few specific reasons. And uh, this just felt like such a huge issue in the canning world. Anna and I really wanted to take the time to dive deep and get some research together to share with you all and give you our very best assessment of the situation and how you can feel confident going forward. So Anna, tell us, what did you find from Iowa, Iowa State Extension? Yeah. So uh, two years ago in 2020, well, I guess it's three years now, 2020, Iowa State University put out a statement saying that they no longer recommend the use of any of the ball canning books. This is true for both Iowa 4-H and consumer food preservation. And the rest of the statement just says there are four reasons listed for concerns that they have, and here they are. Mm -hmm. Number one, not providing testing analysis and data when asked for by food safety experts to verify the safety of the finished product. Number two, the lack of precise measurements provided in many recipes while at the same time cautioning that precise measurement is important to prevent foodborne illness. Number three, using unnatural amounts of sugar and salt in the recipes. And number four, wordy explanations, mistakes, and missing information. So these are, uh, you know, they're definitely issues mm-hmm. that that I've seen in ball canning books. I do think that there are sometimes a large amount of sugar and salt when it's not needed. And the great thing about that is we've talked about in previous episodes that you can reduce the amount of sugar or salt in recipes without messing with the pH. So 
For me, that's not an issue. The lack of precise measurements in many recipes, I mean, that's similar to any type of recipe, whether you're baking and you're using, say, like cups versus the actual weight of a product can make your finished product vary quite quite a lot. Yeah. And then as far as not providing testing analysis and data, I mean, we've talked about this, Jenny, but it's mm-hmm. it could be that it's not necessarily nefarious, but maybe they don't have the setup for that, or maybe it's a proprietary thing. Mm-hmm. Wordy explanations, mistakes, and missing information is the last thing. And I would prefer a wordy explanation over no explanation <laughs> or right. a short explanation. Right. What else do you have to add to that, Jenny? Well, I think that, I mean, the lack of transparency obviously is concerning, I guess, or would give someone pause. I think that's appropriate. But I think it's also very likely that there is something that is prohibiting them from sharing that. And I would guess it has something to do with, yeah, their proprietary process, some sort of legal information that is beyond my pay grade. And then I just really take issue with the phrasing of unnatural amounts of salt and sugar. That is... I just think a really poor word choice because that is, <laughs> I, I I think it is very likely that Ball creates recipes that the average American wants to eat, which has maybe an excess of sugar and salt, or maybe, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of different words they could have used there, but that to me does not signal a lack of trustworthiness. And also their job isn't necessarily to tell us what our health you know, there's nothing that about a jam recipe that is right. more healthful than just whole fruit, right? Like the added sugar is is added sugar. Many canning recipes are full of added sugar. So I just can't, I cannot really wrap my mind around why that would be one of the reasons listed. And to me, that is a completely bogus reason. And... Uh, This is just one state, one state's uh, cooperative extensions stance. This is not a national stance. This is just one state's. Right. Anna, should I read the response I got from Texas A&M? Yeah, that would be helpful. Okay. I reached out after a social media follower messaged me and said, hey, my cooperative extension said this. What do you think? I asked for specifically which cooperative extension she spoke with, and it was Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And I emailed them and you know asked them to elaborate, and they emailed back right away and said that Texas A&M AgriLife Extension can only recommend recipes that we know are tested and safe. We are not saying that ball recipes are unsafe. We just don't have the research showing that they are. If a consumer is comfortable with using the recipes and they trust the source of that recipe, whether it's from Ball or anyone else, they are free to use it. So I feel like that was a reasonable response to the fact that Ball is not sharing to the detail that is preferred how they test their recipes. And I hope listeners, you stick with us till the end of the episode because we have more information coming. So I just... I think Texas A&M's extension response seemed reasonable, but the problem is that it 
gives a canner, it instills doubt where I think it is probably unnecessary. And when people hear it's not recommended, they think that means, oh, it's bad. But I think that, yeah, the whole word choice can be confusing for for anybody. If it's not recommended, does that mean you're like you're actively suggesting you do not? Or are you just saying, well, we just can't say yes, do it. What they're saying is they don't have enough information to like give their like official thumbs up or stamp of approval. What can you add to that, Anna? I mean, I think it's always good to use your best judgment. But in my limited exposure, most people that are canning that are starting to can Mm -hmm. maybe don't know the ins and outs yet. So it's important that they know what's safe, what's tested, what's recommended. Right. But I don't know. In my mind, Ball has just been around forever. Mm -hmm. And they have been testing for a long time. I did come across this from two years ago on Reddit that says that this person got a statement back from Utah State saying, uh, likely Iowa State is recognizing that Ball no longer does any thermal process studies. The last time this was done was back in the 1980s. Why it's okay to recommend them. Ball has said that they only provide acidified recipes now. Recipes are lab tested to get to the safe acidification level. If you see low acid food recipes, they are simply rehashed versions of the recipes from the 1980s or earlier when testing was done. Based on their word that they are lab testing acidification, I think USU can still recommend ball recipes. So this is interesting. I didn't realize that their new recipes are all high acid recipes. So that makes a a huge difference, right? Right. Well, and that, that speaks to, I think there's a desire in the canning world for new recipes. And that opens the door for right. misinformation for people who say, oh, I've canned it like this for a million years. My grandma did it. The Amish did it. Jesus Christ did it. They, people say all kinds of things, right? Because the consumer is asking for <laughs> new recipes and there aren't any because there's no outfits testing for them. Yeah. There's, you know, that's, I think, because if you think in the grand scheme of things, they're not making a ton of money off of new recipes. They're not, they're not going to make a ton of money off of it. The number of people canning in America, unfortunately, is not super huge. <laughs> people buying canning jars to like put tea lights in. Well, that's a bigger number. Yeah. But I, I don't think like dollar for dollar, I just don't, I don't think it's a financial win for them to spend money on testing. I just, I don't think that that is, I think that's all that is, unfortunately. Yeah. And I wanted to say too about Ball, in my mind, if you think about like follow the money, think about what is a win for a corporation, it would not be good business for Ball to be publishing recipes that were not safe, right? Like that would be a poor financial decision. So they are continuing to publish recipes, one that they know are definitely acidified and are safe, or they're just repackaging, renaming, re publishing older recipes that they know to be safe. It's just, it wouldn't be smart money for them to publish stuff that they weren't certain to be safe. Right, right. And I would say for those of you that are like, oh, there's never any new recipes. 
That's actually incorrect. There are a lot of extension offices throughout the country that do regional recipes that are tested, and that funding is provided through the university that they are an extension of. For instance, uh, the University of Alaska, where I grew up, they have recently put out information about pressure canning walrus, seal, things that are indigenous to that area. So there are regional things that you can look up that you might not find in ball canning, right? Like ball canning is very overarching. But if you go to each local extension office throughout the country, you might find different tested sourced safe recipes. Okay, we're getting to the meat and potatoes now, Anna. That's a very good point. (laughs) (laughs) And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. So for this episode, I emailed Ball directly, took quite a while to hear back, and they sent me a detailed template canned response, (laughs) canning pun definitely intended, and I thought I would share it with you listeners now. They say, as instructed by the U.S. United States Department of Agriculture, Rubbermaid Incorporated, which manufactures ball home canning products, conducts rigorous and thorough thermal and acidity testing to validate the shelf stability of each recipe it endorses. Before testing, our research and development engineers and lab technicians predict the processing time based on estimated acidity using a Bostwick consistometer. To measure consistency, we intentionally make our test batches thicker to replicate a potential canning error and slower heat penetration. Each recipe is then thermal tested using temperature sensors to calculate and compare process lengthality, like the length of your processing time, during the canning process to the industry safety requirements. The final acidity of the recipe is measured using a lab-grade digital pH tester and confirmed to be in within the required limits. It's important to note that they use metric jars, which are slightly larger than jars commonly used in the U.S. to conduct thermal testing as an additional safety precaution when calculating processing times. If optimal heat penetration is not achieved during the canning process to interrupt natural spoilage by destroying food contaminants, then the recipe is retested for longer duration. We also factor in worst case consumer behavior and have many safety mechanisms in place. Lengthality is based off the coldest jar in the sample, which would be your last jar filled. Processing time is rounded up, never down in five minute increments. I mean, there's a few more things, but it goes on just to further expound, I think in a fairly detailed way, how they test. And that they do test. And I think that my takeaway from that email was, again, that it would not be smart money for them to not test. So what do you think, Anna? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I 
with such a large company with such like name recognition, it mm-hmm. would be devastating for them to create recipes that are not safe. I think knowing that information that they are only testing the acidified new products and that the uh, low acid recipes are from 1980 or before makes sense when they yeah. were doing that thermal testing. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it's definitely something to think about, but I mean, that takes us to the most recent email that I received from Melanie Jukes, um, November 15th, 2023. So just a couple weeks ago. And Melanie is? Oh, sorry. Melanie Jukes is the extension professor from Utah State University, Salt Lake County. Great. And she is a big deal here in Utah. And so anytime Jenny and I really have like difficult questions that we can't find information to online, we reach out to her uh, for her opinion. And this is what she says. Yes, there are some extension experts across the country that are shying away from ball. However, I have had a few conversations with our former food safety professor slash specialist, and he is still in support of using and referring to ball books and recipes. While Ball may not publish the data, I have heard them speak at conferences and they have a team of researchers, chefs, microbiologists, food scientists that are inventing and testing recipes. Not all of the recipes they try pass the tests for safety in home canning. So I stand with our food safety specialist and still refer to Ball. Mm, Okay. If Melanie says so. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I think that's where Jenny and I stand as well, that that we know that they are doing testing, that they are not the end-all be-all for canning information, but they are an integral, integral part of the canning community, and I'm not ready to toss them aside. Mm, very good way to respond, Anna. I think with a lot of experience Anna and I have had with Utah in terms of their research and their, I feel like they're leading the pack. I mean, there's there's many leaders in the nation in terms of cooperative extensions, but they, uh, I just think they do a really great job. They have a robust department. It's not just like one lady in there. There's a lot of very smart people who are educated and are really super enthused to know the best information available. And I think, yeah, Melanie represents our our stance, which is, it would be silly to not continue to refer to or use or trust ball recipes. There's inadequate information. As we listened at the very beginning of this episode, we don't really feel like Iowa State's, you know, for reasons. I, I don't think they hold water enough for me to say, yeah, their their recipes are no bueno. I just, I can't get behind that. I'm going to continue to recommend to new canners and intermediate canners alike ball recipes, ball products and just refer to their trustworthiness. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We hope you um, enjoyed it. Like we said, it's up to you whether or not you want to continue to refer and use ball canning recipes. But for Jenny and I, uh, we, we still like them and approve. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to 
perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.